praise the Lord that Jesus was born and is our Savior from sin, death, and the power of the devil. We pray you have a wonderful Christmas. What does the Bible say about what happened in the days, months, and years after Jesus Christ was born? What does the Bible say beyond Christmas? Some of what we'll discuss today includes when Mary and Joseph dedicated Jesus in the temple and met Simeon and Anna, when the wise men visited Herod, told him about the star, and came to the house with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, and later when King Herod strives to kill the Messiah by ordering all children up to age two to be killed. Join us today as we share more about what the Bible says beyond Christmas. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Thanks for listening to Family Shield. So how do we celebrate new life? How do you celebrate the birth of your child or grandchild? Fathers sometimes hand out cigars when a new baby is born. New parents send out birth announcements to family and friends, and they open their home to welcome family members and close friends to see the new baby. Many Christian parents have their baby baptized. Baptisms at the congregation are often followed with a special celebration with family and close friends. Mary and Joseph also celebrated the birth of Jesus. On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Jewish law required that parents had to wait 40 days after the birth of the child to go to the temple and offer the sacrifice for purification. If the parents could not afford a lamb and a pigeon, then they sacrificed two pigeons or two turtle doves, and that's from Leviticus 12, 2 to 8, where those details are given. The Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph sacrificed a pair of turtle doves. So that lets us know that they were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. And uh, I think it's good to note that God didn't decide to send his son into the home of a very wealthy family. He chose Mary and Joseph, who did not have a lot of money. But as faithful Jewish parents, they followed the laws and customs and presented their child to the Lord. And that's from Luke 2, 22. While they were at the temple, they met Simeon from Luke 2, 25. The Bible says Simeon, a righteous and devout man, had been waiting a long time to see God's salvation. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and the Holy Spirit revealed to him that the baby was the promised Messiah. He took the baby, Jesus, into his arms and proclaimed, Now, Lord, thou dost let thy bondservant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all people, a light to the Gentiles, and the glory of the people Israel. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. 
What did Simeon mean when he said a sword will pierce Mary's soul? I think we can move throughout scriptures to find that Mary certainly had many sorrows as she witnessed the suffering and death of her own son. What do you think that Simeon meant when he said, and a sword will pierce your own soul? Something to talk about at a family devotion. Mary and Joseph also met Anna in the temple, Luke two thirty six to 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years and as a widow till she was 84 years old. She did not depart from the temple, but worshiped with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she gave thanks to God and spoke of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So Mary and Joseph followed the laws, and they were the Jewish laws because Mary and Joseph were Jewish. And, um, and today we follow God's laws as well. And then the scripture tells us when Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Now today again, I'm talking about what happened beyond the birth of Christ, the very beginning of the story. And of course, it's a miraculous story that God himself would send his son to be our savior and suffer and die for our sins. But a lot of times we lose those little parts of God's word that are focused on what happened in the days, months, and years after Jesus was born. So now I want to move from the Gospel of Luke to the Gospel of Matthew, because you really have to put those Gospels together to get the entire story. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east, we often call them wise men, arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Note, they were going to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And of course, the prophets and the scribes and the priests would have known that because these are predicted in the Old Testament as prophecies that were fulfilled in the New Testament. So Herod didn't know scripture very well, but he knew who to go to to find out. And they said to him, Herod, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and asserted from them the time the star appeared. Now, I want, a lot of times we just flip right through that. He asked the wise men, when did you first see the star and asserted from them the time the star appeared? He wanted to figure out how old this Jesus was. And uh, that's an important part as we continue talking about this story. Jesus was not in the stable, in the manger at this point. Um, And uh, in in just a few minutes, we're going to figure out how old or close to how old Jesus was. And Herod sent them to Bethlehem 
he sent the Magi to Bethlehem. And he said, go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. Do you think Herod really wanted to worship Jesus? I don't think so. He was lying to the Magi because we know later he was going to try to kill the baby Jesus, probably because he was the king of the Jews and Herod didn't want anyone else to be considered the king of the Jews. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And they came into the house, note it isn't the manger anymore, and saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, three gifts. Many times, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, people at Christmas will give three gifts instead of many gifts. Um, Some people believe, and I know there's no way to really document this, that because Mary and Joseph were poor and later on went to Egypt, that they used some of those gifts, which were very um, gold, of course, today is still something that's very, uh, people need gold because it's, it's something that gives you lots of money. Well, they may have used some of those gifts for their travels to Egypt and back again because they were poor. How did they do that? Um, I was thinking as I, I, I prepared this, I wish I had the, the, the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, although many times the songs are not as accurate biblically as they should be. But still, it's very interesting to think about the Magi. And having been warned, warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. So remember, Herod wanted them to come back and tell them where the child was. But uh, they were warned not to do that. And now they had departed. And now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. Herod wanted to kill the baby Jesus. And so Joseph arose, took the child and his mother by night, and departed for Egypt. Can you imagine? They had to leave in the middle of the night, and Joseph was such a wonderful protector of Mary and Jesus. And uh, they departed for Egypt. And they were there until the death of Herod, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. Now, many times on the program I talk about prophecies, and that is an Old Testament prophecy that was fulfilled in the New Testament. Out of Egypt did I call my son. So then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became enraged, not just angry, but enraged, and sent and killed all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its regions from two years old and under, according to the time which he had asserted from the Magi. So at this time, the wise men did not come 
at the manger. They came when Jesus was a little older. If you noted, I talked about they came into the house and they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Um, And the reason we know this is that we go back, he was asking them to tell them, when did the star appear in the sky? And he was trying to assert how old this child was. And so that's, that's a good indication. The Bible tells us a lot that Jesus was not just days old at this time, but that he was uh, possibly almost two years old. We don't know for sure how old he was. We just know that they ended up killing all the male children that were uh, up to two years old and under. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted. But when Herod was dead, and we don't know how long that was, I'm sure the history books would tell us that, but uh, when he died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are now dead." And Joseph arose and took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Herod's son was reigning over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he departed for the regions of Galilee and came and resided in a city called Nazareth, that which was spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled he shall be called a Nazarene. That is another prophecy of the Old Testament that was fulfilled in the New Testament. Just note again how often Joseph protected Mary and Jesus. I love learning more about Joseph. The Bible doesn't tell us much, but he was a good man, and uh, Mary was already engaged to him when uh, she became pregnant with Jesus. And so God selected Mary and Joseph, knowing that Joseph would be a good uh, adopted father for Jesus. I want to make a few announcements, and I'll come back and continue talking just a little bit more uh, about what the Bible says about Jesus, our Savior. Today, Family Shield is giving away the complimentary booklet, Finding Peace. To receive the booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center, one 877 Two five zero eight four one six, or email us at witness to family at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us your complete name and address. If you are a Thrivent financial member, you can designate your Thrivent Choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website at www.thrivent.com slash Thrivent Choice, or you can call them and ask them to walk you through this. one 800 847 4836. If you've already signed up to be a Thrivent supporter for us, remember that you must re-sign up each year. I know several of you signed up a couple years ago, uh, but I, I think some of you have forgotten to re-sign up because we know when we get the support who it's from and we haven't received that recently. So I just encourage you just to call them. They'll help you walk through it. Family Shield began the Spiritual Warriors Monthly Giving Club in 2016, and we invite you to become a member. 
All donors who give $5 or more per month are part of this group and will be recognized annually. You can give on a monthly basis by sending us a check, by signing up to give a specific amount at your bank, or by signing up through our PayPal account on our website at www.familyshieldministries.com. Thank you for your prayers and for listening to Family Shield. We encourage you to tell a friend about the ministry and check out our archive page where you can listen to hundreds of past programs. Maybe you know someone that's going through a specific challenge. Uh, You can find our programs on the archive page and uh, upload them to the Internet and send them to a friend so they can listen and and be blessed. You can send prayer requests, program suggestions, or a donation to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. So uh, Jesus grew up, and he eventually began his ministry. Many people believed in him, but others opposed him, as Simeon had told Mary they would. They refused to believe he was the promised Messiah and the Son of God. Jesus was beaten, stripped, and mocked. Because of the opposition, he was arrested and nailed to a cross. He was crucified. There on the cross, he suffered for your sins and my sins. Even while he hung on the cross, he was opposed. Some Jewish people opposed the sign that was nailed above Jesus on the cross that read, This is the King of the Jews. That's from Luke 23, 38. Can you think of other people that opposed Jesus? I'm sure you can think of some that are opposing him today as well. But Jesus suffered and died. His suffering and death brings us forgiveness and everlasting life in heaven. What a blessing that is. Three days after Jesus' death, he rose from the dead. He showed himself to many people during the 40 days he was on earth after the resurrection. At one time, there were 500 people that saw him alive after he had been put in the grave and after he had risen from the dead. The opposition that follows Jesus from his birth continues today, doesn't it? Do you know that there are 100 million people in the United States that do not believe in Jesus, and that number continues to grow today? A couple years ago, I watched a video sent through Facebook of a group of pro-choice young adults that disrupted the Convention of Students for Life in Washington, D.C. The students were trying to begin a worship service. And the young adults walked through their midst, holding up signs and chanting loudly, not the church, not the state. Women must decide their own fate. So the worship services couldn't begin. We must find ways to ask these pro-choice individuals, what about the babies that are killed? We as people who are for life must continue to love them, even in the midst of times like this that upset us. And we must continue to pray for them to change their mind about abortion and faith in Jesus Christ. Thankfully, many people do believe in Jesus. I believe. Do you? Those who believe have eternal life as a free gift. We are his. And in him, we were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead 
And when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions. Let's praise God for forgiveness and life. I, I just had a couple other things I wanted to mention today. In one of my Christmas cards, a friend um, sent me information about the, the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, something I had never heard, and I thought maybe you had not heard it either. And I've been putting it on our Facebook page, our Family Shield Facebook page, a little bit every day. I just finished it today. Many people know the opening lyrics to The Twelve Days of Christmas. But few know that behind that somewhat silly counting song is essential Christian doctrine. The song was composed by Catholics in England during the 16th century who were forbidden by law to practice their faith. The only legal church in England was the state church. To teach their children basic doctrine, they used nonsense songs that would not raise the suspicions of non-Catholics around them, but would remind the children of their faith. And uh, I probably won't have time to do all of this, but just a few of the explanations of the 12 days. On the first day of Christmas, my true love came to me. The first day of Christmas celebration is counted from December 26th, the day after Christmas, to January 6th, the traditional day for celebrating the coming of the wise men to worship Jesus, also called the Day of Epiphany. And then the next is a partridge in a pear tree. The mother partridge will leer enemies from her nest of defenseless chicks in order to protect them. She will literally risk her life for her children. The partridge in the song is a hidden reference to Christ, who declared, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus himself uses a bird analogy in Matthew 23. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings, but you were not willing. The pear tree symbolizes the cross used whereby a thing is signified by a part or a whole of that thing. Jesus was crucified on a tree. Paul says in Galatians 3.13, that is, a cross made out of a tree. And then the 12 days of Christmas, the two turtle doves. The turtle doves stand both for the two testaments in the Bible, old and new, and also according to some traditions, the two turtle doves offered at Jesus' dedication in the temple when he was 12. All of the temple sacrifices are symbolic of the one sacrifice Christ made by giving his life as a just payment for the sins of all, from Hebrews 10, 1 to 10. So you kind of see, I'm going to read a few more of these, but you kind of see this is all teaching the children Christian doctrine in, in, a, in a way, and I had never heard this. I actually never liked this song, and I just found this so fascinating. It was a Lutheran pastor's wife that had included it with her Christmas card. So the next is three French hens. French hens were very expensive during the 16th century and thus are symbolic of the three costly gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh given by the wise men. An alternate significance is symbolism depicting the value of the three Christ virtues, faith, hope, and charity. Other forms of the song use the French hands to symbolize the three persons of the Trinity. So sometimes it depends on how people interpret it. But still, very interesting thing to think about. 
four calling birds. The calling birds stand for the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And five golden rings. The rings stand for the first five books of the Old Testament, the Law of Moses, so often referred in Scripture, the Torah, as they are called by Jews. The Torah tells the story of man's fall into sin and reconciliation through the Messiah. And six geese laying. Eggs are almost always a universal symbol of new life. The laying geese, therefore, stand for the six days of creation. So again, just very interesting. Some of these are longer than others. Um, but seven swans a-swimming. The swans symbolize, symbolize the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit listed in Romans 12, 6 to 8. Have you ever thought about those? We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesizing, let him use it in the proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So eight maids a-milking. I'm going to skip through that, but that symbolizes Christ's faithfulness even to us when we don't, don't deserve his love and stands for the eight Beatitudes, our blessings in Matthew. Nine ladies dancing uh, reminds, us, reminds us of the nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, to 23. Ten lords a-leaping stands for the ten commandments, which are holy and good, by which we should live. And 11 pipers piping remind us of the 11 original apostles who did not forsake the faith. And the 12 drummers drumming reminds us of the Apostles' Creed and the 12 segments of it. I don't think I have time to read through the entire thing, but um, it is a confession of faith that summarizes our faith and uh, never thought about the fact there were 12 different parts to it. I believe in God, the Father, maker of heaven and earth. And it also says it's not that the Apostles' Creed was not to take the place of the Bible, but just to help us have a simple, short way to summarize what the Bible said. So I just really found that interesting. I wanted to uh, make sure that uh, our listeners um, uh, think about making some New Year's resolutions and uh, Pray daily for your family and friends. Be in the Word and uh, study God's Word and read God's Word. Maybe get into a Bible study and then worship each week with your family. Uh, Again, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. We've been talking about Beyond Christmas. And uh, learn more about Family Shield at www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great New Year. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.